I'm, uh, is that okay? Very good. Wonderful. Right. Well, my name's Dave. Um, I've been a, an elder at Lewes for about, uh, well, Lewes Beacon, the Vine, whatever we're now calling it. It's, it we're now calling it the Vine. It was called Beacon Church, like you. Um, in Maidstone. It's now called the Vine because we've joined two churches together. That's the Beacon Church in Maidstone and Lewes Baptist Church. And the two churches have now combined. And that's been quite a, uh, a big task for us in these last, uh, last nine months because both churches have been quite active um, in their communities. Slightly different emphasis but very, very closely connected. Uh, and it's been amazing um, just to see what God can do. Um, when he moves things around in the ways that people, and we certainly, um, didn't expect. Um, I'm married to Sue, who's sitting there. Uh, we have two children, Ben and Elia, um, and they're wonderful. love them to bits. Um, we've been married for about 14, almost 14 years this year. Um, so that's, not, that's pretty good going, I think. <laughs> She's lovely. <laughs> 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 yeah, we've got a few people in our church. Yeah. I mean, Sue's grandparents, just a slight aside, they were married for 65 years. So uh, I know that uh, we've got a way to go. Um, but they were great. So I've been, uh, I've been part of Beacon um, and the Vine for probably about eight or nine years now. Um, before that, I worked um, in the probation service. Um, I worked there for about 15 years, um, doing a variety of different things in the last part of my tenure, if you like, as uh, um, working in that service. I worked um, as a senior manager um, in Kent Probation Area and then did a bit of work um, for the Home Office as well, trying to help criminal justice systems work better, um, both in this country and in, in other countries. So I have a look, but that's my background, um, is basically working um, with people. And Stephen John when they asked me to come and speak, they, they asked me about, about talking about community. What does it mean to be working into a, a community? And that's quite a big subject, really. Um, I guess I approach this. I'm not going to give you a kind of a big theological kind of outpouring of why we should do mission. I'm not going to do that today. I want to encourage you in doing what you're doing here already. And I want to give you some insights into some of the things that maybe we've we've learned along our journey um, at the Beacon Church and now at the Vine in Maidstone. And one or two examples from Scripture as well, just to help us focus on some of those things. I'm not an expert. don't claim to have any expert credentials in trying to work out how to serve our communities, the places where we live. Um, So I'm not going to go there either. But I just want to give you some insights. Much of what we've seen in Maidstone, some of the things that we've developed in Maidstone, have been very, very small. They've started very small. Some of them have remained very small. Some of them have grown into bigger things. And I'll share a little bit of that um, a little bit later. But I wanted to start with a little thing I picked up. You may have well heard this before, but I just want to read this to you. It's about communication. Um, One of the things that I I struggle with sometimes, but I'll just read you this little funny thing. This is a a memo that went down an organisation from the top to the bottom, and this is what happened on the way. It says, from headquarters to general managers, next Thursday at 10.30, Haley's Comet will appear over this area. This event is an event which occurs once every 75 years. Notify all directors and have them arrange for all employees to assemble on the company lawn and inform them of the occurrence of this phenomenon. If it rains, the day, if it rains, cancel the day's observation and assemble in the auditorium to see a film about the comet. From the general manager to the managers. By order of the executive vice president, next Thursday at 10.30, Haley's Comet will appear over the company lawn. Cancel the day's work and report to the auditorium with all employees' films. A phenomenal event which occurs every 75 years. <laughs> From department chiefs. By order of the president. At 10.30 next Thursday, will appear in the auditorium. In case 
company law and the executive vice president, something which only occurs every 75 years. <laughs> chief to section chiefs. In 30, the executive vice president in the auditorium, something which occurs every 75 years. It rains, the executive will cancel the comet of phenomenal company lawn. From sex chiefs to war. When it rains next and 30 over the company, the phenomenal executive vice president will cancel all before the employees accompany and his comment. Okay, well, is that better? That, uh, that little funny is, is, uh, is very funny. I, I love it. I read it all the time because it reminds me that sometimes I'm not very good at communicating and sometimes we, we, we can get lost in communication. And actually, at the heart of working into a community is, is actually relationship and communication. That's a, an example of something that goes very badly wrong. But sometimes how we communicate what we do with our, within our local communities um, we, we can sometimes blur the different things. We can do that individually and sometimes we can do that corporately. But I just wanted to encourage you with that. Um, community is essentially, as I say, about relationship. It's about communicating. It's about individual lives that get joined together. The Oxford Dictionary describes it as a common, having common purpose having something in common, values or beliefs, having an identity. That's, that's what a community essentially is. I like the Oxford Dictionary's definition of that, but I, I rather like Acts 2 definition of community. It says this in verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. That's what we've done this morning. This is community. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's a great description of community, isn't it? Sometimes I've heard lots of people say, that's the kind of community I'd like to live in, in a, is a church. Now, communities can be social groups, they can be friendship groups, they can be your neighbours. They could be geographical, you could be in a geographical community or a workplace. So we don't often think about some of these places as communities, but actually workplaces are communities. They're a gathering of people that come together, normally to do something with a common purpose in mind. It could be a school. A school is a community. It's where people come to learn and be together. And reaching communities can take many, many forms. There isn't a prescribed prescription for reaching a community. It can be individual. We can reach into a community as individuals. We can do that corporately, together, as a church. We may be able to set up some, some kind of projects which reach into a community that meet a specific need. And we see that in Acts, don't we? We see that that's what was happening in that passage that we've just read in Acts. There was a community. They had belief. They had common a common relationship together. But more than that, they met one another's needs. They re reached out to one another with practical meeting of needs. So often in, in churches, we, we want to come up with a strategy to reach a community. Um, at the Vine, we've, um, 
we've gone through some of those things. They don't always work, just to let you know. <laughs> Actually, some of the best projects we, we've run, some of the best things that we've done that have talked about and, and met needs in our community have grown virtually from nothing. They've come just out of a cup of coffee. And, and that's how we've established some of the things that we've, we've done. I'll talk a bit more about that um, in a minute. And we can also think that to, to impact our community, it's got to come from the top down. You can see in communication what happens when you have something come from the top down. Sometimes it just gets worse and worse and worse and diluted and diluted and diluted until actually the people on the ground are completely confused and don't know what's going on. Actually, some of the best projects come from the ground up, not from the top down. That's just something for us, I think, as churches to think about. Often inspiration comes from absolutely anyone to do something because God lays something on someone's heart. The other thing is that nothing ever starts big. Most things start really small. Most of the things that we do, and we, we do a fair amount of, of different things at the Vine, but most of them started really, really small. They started with one person saying, I think I've got a passion for this, or I'm thinking about this because I can see there's a need here. And they gather one or two other people and they pray and they ask God for, to help them. And over time, God enables that to grow. I was with Steve this week. We were up in Ipswich at uh, Relational Mission um, Prayer and Equipping Days, and what a couple of days um, they were. Um, just some real revelation, um, maybe some revelation, maybe some reminders um, of things um, that we needed to remember. But I got to talk to Steve, and we had a chat about some of the things you do here. You do some amazing things, don't you? You've got Coffee and Chaos. You do work with offenders. You do work with debt. You've got lots of things going on, but that's, that's not the sum total of how you reach this community. You've got lots of projects and lots of things that you do, and we've got lots of projects, but that's not the sum total of how we reach our community. The truth is that each and every single one of you is involved in community work. You're not just involved in, in community work as a church when you do a project. Each and every one of you has parts play. You may serve in a particular project. You may do something in Coffee and Chaos or, or whatever other things that you're involved in. But that's not the sum total of everything that you do. What about your neighbours? The people that you speak to maybe once in a while? What about the people that maybe you see at the school gate if you're picking up children? What about a hobby or an interest that you have where you're meeting with lots of other people, maybe in different situations? What about the workplace where you're meeting people all the time and you're seeing and meeting individuals? You know, that's where we're called to be, a beacon of light, isn't it? In those different scenarios. That's how we do community. That's how we work into and have a influence into a community by being who we are individually in the situation that God's put us in. And then corporately, we may do some things together that actually reach into and respond to particular needs or things that we see in our community. That's how we work. But I think one of the things I've learned at the Vine is that most people who've come to know Jesus through any route, whether it be a project or whether it be individual work. It's always been about individual relationship at the end of the day. It's always been a believer actually showing the love of Jesus into someone's life on an individual basis. That's how it works. That's how people come to know Jesus, through that individual introduction. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. There are other ways you can be involved in playing a part in your community here, aren't there? Not just by meeting people, but maybe in a supporting role, some of the things that you do through prayer. I'm going to talk a, bit, a little bit about that in a minute. Maybe through finance, maybe you give into a particular project or into a particular work. 
that's supporting what's going on. One of the most underestimated ways of helping is actually what I call caring for the carers. So the people that maybe work into a project, they need to be looked after. That's what we've discovered at The Vine, is that we have a fantastic team of people and they do all sorts of things. But actually, a real ministry is to look after them. Because actually, if we look after them, they, they do even more amazing things. Because people are praying for them, supporting them, encouraging them, getting alongside them, asking what, what needs to be prayed for, what, needs, what, what help do they need. So caring for people who are doing the caring is very important. I think God has four things that he wants me to share with you today. And I'm just going to run through those four things. I'll, the first three are, uh, are fairly... Um, yeah, the, the first one's love. The second one's genuine relationship. And the third one is prayer. And I'll tell you what the fourth one is a little bit later. But let's talk about love. I was really encouraged, the first two songs you sang today just spoke about God's love towards us. It starts with us knowing who God is, doesn't it? It starts with that personal intimacy with God. It starts with us knowing his love. Our poor personal walk with him is so important. I've always thought that you can't give away what you don't have. If you don't understand have, or have God's love, then you can't give that away. You can't pass that on to others. I, I could give you a whole, a whole talk on the love and grace of God. I spoke at the Vine a few weeks ago on grace. And uh, one of the things that really shocked me was, was the number of people who didn't know or didn't feel that God loved them. Uh, and I just want to just linger on that for a bit this morning. It's not my brief this morning, but just one of the things that God's really kind of laid on my heart is, is to really let people know that God really, really loves you. And you need to know that. And I'm shocked that many people struggle to think of God as somebody who loves them. They see him as a disciplinarian or somebody who's harsh. That's not our God. God is a God of love. And he wants you to know that you, he loves you. So, Steve and I were in Ipswich last week. And one of the reminders that came um, last week was this. Someone said that, that we often think about the gospel as being about mission. It's about going and doing. Actually, the gospel is about intimacy with God. Out of that comes a heart to, see, to, to go and reach um, others and to do mission. But the gospel is essentially about intimacy with God. It's about restoration Restoration between us and God through Jesus. That's the gospel. The outworking of the gospel is then mission. We then go and work into all that God has given us and we share that with others. That's mission. So what about Herm Bay? I've had a look at Herm Bay. Um, just on the different things that I've tried to find out about this place because I've not really been here very much before. I think I've been here a couple of times when I was growing up. used to go to Herne Bay Court for some of the uh, church weekends that we used to have. But that's my only real visit. So I, I like to know a little bit. So I suppose my first challenge for you this morning is, is how much do you love this town? How much do you love this town? You see... My experience is that we're very good at not loving the place where we live. We're quite good at building up a list of all the things that we change if we could. But my challenge to you this morning is how much do you love this town? How much do you love the people of this town? How much do you know about it? How much do you understand about the history, about how this place uh, works, what the stories are at the moment? What's important to people in the community? I 
remember sitting um, in a leadership conference a few years ago with Mark Driscoll from Seattle. And he spoke about reaching into the community in Seattle and how he used to just drive around endlessly in the city to just go and see what was happening. He used to go into all the shopping malls and talk to all these people about what was important, what was important to, to them. And the reason he said he did that was because he needed to understand what, what the issues were, what was going on, if he was to reach into it. I did a little bit of study, and I've discovered that your population in Herne Bay is around about 40,000 people. Around about 40,000. 98% of your population are white. 2% are from other ethnic groups. And that's interesting. Because actually, if you have people who come from other ethnic groups into your church, how, do they, how are they received? How are they looked after? How are they cared for? It's a big question for us. Some good news. 80% of people in Herne Bay say they're Christian. That's pretty good, really. I was excited about that. I thought 80% say they're Christian. Well, that's a massive field for harvest then. 14% say they don't want anything to do with religion. So that should be encouraging, because if 80% say they're Christian, then they're open. They may not be in church. They may not come on a Sunday. But if when they're asked in a survey, or on the national census that we have to do once every 10 years to name their religion, then actually they've got to think about the question before they answer it. And there is options there to say, I don't want anything to do with religion. But 80% of people in Herne Bay say they're Christian. 25% are over 65. Which is just slightly higher than the national average. But it means that you also have 75 people that aren't. 75% of people that aren't over 65. That's interesting. So if you know these things, you can work out how can I reach, how can we reach this community? If we know something about the community. Property prices. The average house price in Herne Bay is £189,000. You think, well, that's not very interesting. It is if you work out the fact that that's 3.5% less than it was a year ago. So some people who are facing issues with debt and finance their house prices are dropping. It's just interesting you just to see where those things happen, what's, what's actually going on. The average rent, if you're renting property in Herne Bay, is £670 a month. So that's how much people are looking to have to pay if they're in, into rented accommodation in your, in your area. You've got some famous people who lived here. Bob Holness. Remember Blockbuster? I remember that when I was growing up. He lived here, he spent his early life here. Nikki Chapman, slightly more up to date. She was born here. Used to be a pop idol or whatever the other one was, I can't remember. But I also discovered that um, one of the characters in one of my favorite films was also, also lives here. His name's Rusty Goff. You know who Rusty Goff is? He was Loompa Loompa in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He was also in Star Wars 4. If you're into Star Wars, he was in that film as well. And you've got a guy called Harry Wells who used to live here. Do you know who Harry Wells is? Nope, not that. <laughs> Someone saw it different. Harry Wells um, was the only recipient from Herne Bay who won the Victoria Cross. And he won that in 1915 for his bravery that cost him his life. And you've also got a famous sort of film location. The seafront has been used for a number of different films, a number of different bits and pieces that have gone on down through the years. Upstairs, downstairs was filmed here, or bits of it filmed here. There's quite a few other things as well. Why am I, why am I telling you? these things about your town before my mic slips off. 
I'm telling you because it's important that you know something about your town. We were in, um, Sue and I were invited on Friday evening to um, an event in Maidstone called Celebrate Maidstone. And uh, we were invited as part of uh, the Vine um, leadership team to go to an event where we were celebrating the people who contributed to making Maidstone a better place to live. And uh, it was a fantastic evening. It was uh, organised by another church in Maidstone called Jubilee Church, um, supported by a number of other churches, but they organised it. And it was a fantastic evening of hearing stories, hearing about people's commitment to the town of Maidstone and how they'd contributed to making it a wonderful place to live. And I, I really believe the town where I live is a, is a wonderful place to live. I love living there. I love Maidstone. And I love the community uh, that we're part of, the part of the community where Sue and I live, the community that we serve as a church. Um, it's fantastic. So it's important that we know something about why, what's going on in our local town. Our projects that we've kind of developed have mainly come from the community. There's one particular project that we run. We, it's called a, a Oasis. It's a cafe. Um, it runs on a Wednesday and a Thursday. That, that project started with a cup of coffee. It started with somebody coming into the church one morning 25 years ago and saying, there's nowhere for us to go. Can we come here? You see, the Shetway estate where Beacon is located, where Beacon was located, is essentially 16,500 people live on that one estate alone. And there's no community facility on that estate. So they had nowhere to go. So people started to come in, ones and twos, just said, we just need somewhere to just go and meet our friends. And so over a cup of coffee, that's what developed. And now we run this cafe that runs on a Wednesday and a Thursday and... I can't even, you know, sometimes go in there for breakfast, can't find a table. It's, it's really busy. And it's lovely. But it's taken 25 years to get to that point. And it started really, really small with somebody saying, surely we can do something because there's nowhere for people to meet. Do you know God loves Herne Bay? Do you know that? Do you really, really know it? Here's something really basic for you. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. I just uh, change the word slightly and I say for God so loved the home bay that he gave his one and only son. When you start to drill down into what that verse, that amazing verse, we all know it, but if you let it permeate into your mind, God so loved this place, the people in this place, that he gave his one and only son. You see, that's God's heart. That's God's heart for this place the price that he was willing to pay was immense. You see, it's really easy to knock down our town, isn't it? It's really easy for you if you've, if you've lived in any place for a long time. I've lived in Maidstone pretty much most of my life. I did have a period where I lived somewhere else. But 40-odd years of knowing my 47 years now, time of living in Maidstone, I've known Maidstone pretty much. We, we can find fault so easily with the place where we live. And God doesn't want us to find fault with it. What he wants us to do is he wants to see it, us to see it the way he sees it. The people that he sees, the people that his son, he paid that price for. If you look at the local newspapers, local newspapers are very good indicators of how people see their town because I don't know about your town, but in Maidstone we have the Kent Messenger and you read it every week and... It's just a, really a, alongside of some stories of really good stuff. There's an awful lot of comment about what's wrong with our town. 
actually, we need to change that. We need to counter that kind of culture because that's a world culture, a world culture that knocks stuff down, builds it up and then knocks it down. We don't, we don't want to be doing that. So loving your town is really important. Loving the people in it is even more key. You know, God's love is key to this. You see, Jesus, when he was operating, he didn't, he didn't pull people down, did he? He actually loved them. That's the very simple lady at the well. That's a, an amazing story, isn't it? Yes, he, he knew what was, what was on her mind. He knew what she'd done. And yet he built her up and moved her forward. Genuine relationships are the other, are the second part uh, of what I wanted to, to just bring to you. Those, those kind of genuine relationships are described in Acts 2. You can see those kinds of relationships that are real, they're practical, they're about helping, they're about engaging with one another. That's what we read about in those, in those words in Acts 2. It's not just about words, is it? It's not about just having a kind word. Sometimes it's about actually following that through with some of our deeds as well. We had a, a project that we ran some time ago in Maidstone and the actual basis of it is pretty much still what we, we use in all of our projects. And we, we had a project called Love Spells Time. And essentially that's what love really is, really. It's about giving people time. We're very good in, in this country of, of running around like loonies sometimes. Um, not having real time to build and uh, spend time with people. But that's really what demonstrates love to people, is, is being able to sit with somebody and listen to them. And that takes, that takes time. We have a lady in our church who's now in her, in her 80s. She's 80, 86, Naomi? Something like that, 86. For 30 years, she's befriended a Muslim family in Maidstone. And she's just prayed with them. She's spent time with them. She's offered them help when they've been in need. She's just got alongside them. To the extent now that whenever there's a difficulty or an issue or they've got to make a major, major decision, Naomi's the person they ask. And they come and they sit and they see her and they talk to her. And then they ask her to pray for them. And that's relationship. That's genuine friendship and relationship. It may not have resulted in them coming to know Jesus yet, but she believes absolutely that God's going to make a way. And so she's invested 30 years of her, of her life into that relationship, just to keep that relationship real. I don't want to discourage you, but building something does take time. And it does take perseverance. Sometimes we, we've built things and we've looked at projects that we've started and they don't seem to be going anywhere for a long time. But then you have one person who responds to something and it just opens up a whole new group of people that just come and are part of what that project was all about. We've had that happen a number of times. Just where we think we're not getting anywhere, we're not doing anything, nothing's happening. And then God has spoken to somebody. They've come and they've been part of what we're about. And then they've invited the whole, virtually the whole community of people that they know. And suddenly, you've got more people than you know really how to, to manage and deal with. But it does take time. We live in a, a culture that is very throwaway. A, a culture that's very, well, if we don't like it, if we don't do this, then we can just throw it away and we can get something new. I don't think that's how we should be as church. I don't think that's how we should be when we're working into our communities. If it doesn't work, don't just throw it away. Really spend time listening and understanding what God is doing. Respond to need if you can. We had a very tragic set of circumstances in Maidstone a few years ago. I was only just really started working at um, the Beacon Church in Maidstone, and um, my friend Martin, who, who 
who's now one of the other elders at, at Maidstone, we, we had a, a, a terrible fire on an estate um, not far from where we were. And uh, tragically, uh, a little girl of three lost her life. And uh, we didn't really know the family as a church. We didn't have any massive connection with them. One of our community workers... <laughs> it was mine then. <laughs> it's very similar. One of my community uh, workers um, had, a, had a, a, a little bit of a contact, but it wasn't very much of a contact with this family. So she, she offered to go and make contact with this family and, and just offer love, care, help, whatever. I mean, we all felt so helpless, really, in that situation. And God just opened up a whole door to us. And he helped us help them with the funeral, which, as you can imagine, was quite a, uh, an experience. And God just really met that family in a whole number of different ways. They'd not been in church before. They'd not had any real understanding. But to see a Christian community come around that family and support them was really, really powerful. Bearing in mind that they'd lost everything in a fire, they'd lost a child, they'd lost all of their possessions, everything. And when they did eventually um, get rehoused, which took a little while, um, of course they had nothing to put in their house, so we equipped their entire house for them um, with new things, things that they could, they could use. And I think that's, that's what the church is there for. They didn't, they didn't become Christians as a result of that. We still have contact with them, and we still look after some of them, when they come in to our Oasis Cafe, they still come and they still connect with us. And we still pray for them as a family. But what they experienced was the love of God in some very tragic and difficult circumstances. I love a, a quote that Philip Yancey writes in a book called What's So Amazing About Grace. Have you read that book? If you haven't read it, it's a... It's a must-read. It's a fantastic book. Helps us understand grace. But he says this about communities. Christians should work hard towards establishing colonies of the kingdom that point to our true home. All too often, the church holds up a mirror reflecting back the society around it rather than a window revealing a different way. And he goes on to then describe that different way. It says, if the world despises a notorious sinner, the church, bear in mind that's, that's me and you, the church will love her. If the world cuts off aid to the poor and suffering, the church, that's me and you, will offer food and healing. If the world oppresses, then the church, that's me and you, will raise up the oppressed. If the world shames a social outcast, then the church, me and you again, will proclaim God's reconciling love. If the world seeks profit and self-fulfillment, the church, that's us, seeks sacrifice and service. If the world demands retribution, the church, that's us, dispenses grace. If the world splinters into factions, then the church, that's us, joins together in unity. If the world destroys its enemies, then the church, that's us, loves them. That at least is the vision of the church in the New Testament, a colony of heaven in a hostile world. I just love that quote. I just think that really sums up a lot about what community is about. It's about being different. It's about being counter to much of what we see in our communities that is destructive. Lastly, I just wanted to, to talk a little bit about prayer. And I'll just encourage you to, in, to individually and corporately, when you're thinking about your town, when you're thinking about 
um, this place. Prayer is a key. It's a key. Something else that I think Steve and I realised when we were up in Ipswich, probably realised it before, but it was good to have a real reminder. Prayer helps us remind ourselves that we are not the saviour. Jesus is the saviour. Sometimes he uses us. We co-work with him. But he's the saviour. He's the one that does the saving. And you only know that when you start praying. When you pray to him, when you ask God to help you in a situation, you realise that that's your role is to just bring those people to him. He's the one who does the saving. So pray for your neighbours. Pray for your friends. Pray for those who are at work. Maybe go back to that John 16 passage, uh, that John passage 16 that says, you know, for God so loved the world. And change the bit that says the world to the name of your friend or your family member. For God so loved that he came, that he gave his one and only son. Because it just changes your perspective on that. We have a, a cat worker at our church, Christians Against Poverty. We have somebody who works into that kind of area of debt, um, which is so destructive in, in society today. And uh, Jilly, um, as part of her work, she went to visit a couple um, as part of what she was doing. And uh, while she was sitting with them, normally she'd go to try and help them sort out all their finances and sort out all their debts and get all the paperwork sorted and all sorts of things. But as she went through the door, she just felt God say, I want you to bring them, I want you to pray for them, and I want you to help them understand who I am. So rather than just give them all this stuff about debt, she, she just started to talk about who Jesus was. 30 minutes later, that couple who were heavily in debt, he was on drugs, her world was falling apart, they had two kids who just weren't really being looked after that well. 30 minutes later, that couple gave their life to Jesus. And I had the privilege of baptising them a couple of months ago in our church. And that testimony was so powerful. And it was about prayer. We have been waiting for somebody to come and save us and help us. And you brought Jesus. And yes, they are now debt-free. They've been helped by CAP to become debt-free. But prayer was a real key to that. It was a real key to that family. Don't fall into the trap of doing stuff in your own strength. That's another big, big thing that we do. When we enter into works of service, when we get into trying to serve our communities, so often we do things in our own strength. Because we really want to do the best we can. But so, e so easily, it so easy happens. It's just very subtle sometimes. We just try and do this stuff in our own strength. That's why I say prayer is so important. Because it helps you realise that actually he's the one who has the strength. He's the one who has the resources. He's the one who does the saving. He'll use you. But don't get so sucked into trying to do things all in your own strength. So there you go. Nothing really complicated, really. Pursue intimacy with God. Love. That's the first thing. If you're going to work into this community, if you're going to see lives changed and transformed, it starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with that intimacy of knowing who God is and that assurance of what he's done in my own life. Without that, I can't do anything. And as you're overwhelmed by that, and it does overwhelm you, he gives you a heart, he replaces that heart that maybe once was a bit critical. You suddenly get a heart that is much softer, more compassionate towards other people. And then you begin to outwork all that God's put in your life into the mission that he's given you into your local community. Build genuine relationships with people. Be real with them. 
listen to them. One of the biggest things that um, we often find in the vine is that we're all really willing to wanting to talk. We want to share the love of God with people. We want to get in there and tell them what it's all about. But the dying art in the church is listening. Listening to people. Listening to their concern. Listening to what they're saying. Because through that, God will help you to help them. If you listen to what they say. So don't rush in sometimes. Listen and then respond. And lastly, pray. That prayer is is asking really for the keys, really, to unlock a situation or unlock a person's life. And we've seen that. With that young couple, not only did they get baptised a few months ago, but in the testimony testimony that he gave in front of his whole family who weren't Christians, a whole number of them came afterwards and said, I want that. Because he unlocked the door for them. Because he did it. They knew what he was like. And they saw him in a completely different way. Because God had invaded his life. And changed him. Began that process of transformation. And what they saw, they wanted. And he was just a key that just unlocked um, other people's lives. So just pray for those things. And I said there was a fourth thing, didn't I? That I didn't mention. The fourth thing is joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. We were reminded about that as well. Joy is so absent from our communities. People chase around and think that they'll be happy with things, possessions. That's what will make them happy. And if they have more of that, it will make them happy. But actually what they discover is that all that does is make them want more. In the end. And the church needs to be a place of joy. It needs to be a place of hope. Because that's what God has given to us. He's given us joy. Immeasurable joy. Immeasurable hope in Jesus. He wants us to be placed this for this place, for our place, the the vine, to be a place where people come in and they experience joy. I have to say, I was really blessed with you guys this morning. Just your singing and your enthusiasm. There was real joy here. So it's not a comment on you, but just increase that. Allow God to really speak to you about joy. It's not a falseness. We're not looking to be falsely joyful. But let's revel in all that God has done in our lives. Let's understand what he's done for us. Because actually out of that comes a deep sense of joy. God's Holy Spirit working through us brings joy. And lastly, have fun. You know, this is a fun thing we're doing. The thing is, most, most of us, or a lot of Christians, we can be very heavy. But actually it's not. The burden is light yeah the yoke is easy we need to have fun and as you go about that doing all the things that God has called you to have fun doing it because as people see your joyfulness the the way that you are it draws people we've had so many people come to us and say why do you smile I had a head of social services come to the Beacon um, Church in Maidstone about a year or so ago and she sat down in our cafe she runs a whole plethora of social service activity across Kent sat down in our cafe and had a cup of coffee and we spoke for I don't know about 40 minutes or so and she looked around the room and she then looked at me and she said why is this place so happy Why are people here so happy? And she said, I think I know. This is, she she came from Scotland. She'd had a church background in Scotland, but she just said, I can just feel there's something different here. And it's about joy. And then she said, "Um, 
she shared with me the fact that she really didn't understand what she was doing and why she was doing what she was doing. And we were able to spend a few moments just talking about helping her to understand why she got up in the morning. And a few months later, I saw her in a cafe with a, another elder, and we were just got talking to her again. And her colleague said to us, I don't know what you guys did at the beacon that morning when she came up for coffee, but she's been completely different at work ever since. She's joyful. She's happy. She helps us. And, you know, that's what it's about. It's about affecting change in one or two people's lives and seeing God at work, transforming lives. And you will have success because God is a God of success. Whatever he plans comes to pass. So shall we pray? Father, I do thank you that my chains have fallen off today. Lord, that your peace, somebody prayed about peace earlier, your peace is amazing. The joy of your salvation is incredible. Lord, the sacrifice of your son for me is incredible. We don't deserve these things, Father, but you give them to us freely. You gave your son freely for us. And now, Father, we can come before you. Our relationship has been restored. Father, I pray for each and every one of us that we will know your love and your grace in a whole new way today and tomorrow. Lord, many of us may have known you for a long time. But Father, I pray that you would reveal new things to us, new depths of your love, new depths of your grace, new depths of your joy to each of us. Lord, that we may be all that you would want us to be. Lord, not so that we can run about as a means to an end, but Lord, so we can serve you, love you. Lord, we just thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing in the Beacon Church in Herne Bay. Lord, I pray your amazing blessing upon all that they do here. Lord, I pray for each and every person, because each and every person is here, not by accident, but because you've called them to be here, in this place, at this time. Lord, and you have a part for each and every person in this place. So, Lord, I just pray more revelation of your love, Jesus. More joy in our hearts, Lord, so that we can serve you to see this community of Herne Bay reached and touched by your love and your grace. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.